What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Immac Sports. Instagram is also at Immac Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 180. NBA All-Star Weekend last week. Interesting. Um, probably in need of some changes, but don't yeah. worry, we got you. We uh, we are going to talk about it all. Um and and I believe both of us are going to have different things we would add to All Star Weekend to make it better. Mm. Even though I, I watched it, and we'll get into it, I I had a good time watching it. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. It and just of course, gets a little monotonous. I, I would say at this point, and it feels challenged. It feels like you're trying to do a bit too much, but we'll get into that. Oh yeah, and uh, we're one day closer to the baseball season, so we're going to talk about every single team at least for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But that being said, though, Skyler. I got to get into my opener because you kind of just mentioned it. And it's the starting of spring training here in a couple of days. So I guess it's not the best thing I saw within this past week. It's going to be the best thing I see in this upcoming yes. week. Uh, first game is on Thursday with the Dodgers and the Padres. Joe Musgrove has been named the starter for the Padres in that game. The Dodgers haven't said anything yet. But it's good to see games playing again. Obviously, it's the beginning of spring training. Uh, I was listening to the John Boy talking baseball podcast yesterday and you know every spring training it's always you know good health yeah you know this guy is gonna have a big year all this stuff and always hearing those headlines is pretty cool but i guess the worst thing i saw if we could want to get into that is anthony rendon and some of the stuff that he was talking about this past week he was saying that baseball isn't one of his top priorities. It's never has been. He's always had his faith in his family, which I get above baseball, but the way that he worded it was really bad. And then today he said that he wouldn't wish this life upon anyone. But that being said, Anthony Rendon is getting paid $30 million this year. And uh, it just tells you about where his head's at and how clueless he is of the privilege that he gets to play a game and get paid that much money play a game yeah uh, imagine signing a guy to that much money and you have no idea this is how he feels about the game that he plays uh horrible but um the good side of that we also have college baseball starting uh we'll start off with the the main series i was watching this week fullerton titans they went two out of three against stanford uh, it's always a a very fun series you know beginning of the year and end of the year end of the year um mm-hmm. i i mean i guess they're technically rivals now if they always play each other in the regionals and the first se- series of the season um i was surprised to see i didn't know many players on either squads but that's how many years removed we are from from california baseball uh, at least high school wise, uh, it's just good to watch all of the college baseball on TV. So many great lineups out there. You know, twenty runs scored plus already in just one series for some of these squads. Yeah, there was a few games that I tuned in to for college baseball this past weekend. I was keeping an eye on the Stanford and Fullerton series. I was keeping an eye on the UCSB versus Campbell series in North Carolina. Campbell took two out of three from us. We couldn't. Good. We just walked so many people the entire series uh, and choked away a couple of games, unfortunately. So that was tough there. And then I did get to watch Chase Burns start for Wake Forest, his first after the transfer from Tennessee. And I was texting you about this guy. This kid's so much fun to watch. He's got, you know, 100 plus fastball with a slider that's like 90 to 92. I was texting you and I said, baby DeGrom. And then, like you said in the in the tweet, is I mean you never know with this guy's health. So 
we'll see how it is for him. Uh, but with those guys with the big arms, it's been robust for sure. Stay healthy, man. Stay healthy. Exactly. Moving on, though, to the MLB side, we'll probably talk more college baseball as soon as the year goes on. Yeah. It's always fun to you know keep a bit of an eye on that, especially with the A's having such a high pick. Uh, but we're moving into off-season grades for the MLB teams now that every team has started their spring training camp and there hasn't been any games yet. Also, these grades, keep in mind, there's a lot of really good free agents still out there. So just because your team got a D... Don't get mad because next thing you know, you sign Matt Chapman or Jordan Montgomery or Cody Ballinger and we change your grade from a D to an F. So, <laughs> uh, with that being said, though, let's get into the ALEs. We'll start off with the Baltimore Orioles. Skyler, what'd you grade them? I did give them an A because they could have sat back and been extremely happy with all the youngsters coming in. But they went out and got an ace, Corbin Burns. You know, maybe Baltimore will start to get even more aggressive once you get Jackson Holiday playing every day. I feel like they didn't want to accidentally start the process too early since, you know, some of the guys who are going to be a big part of this team in the future aren't even there yet. Um, but, you know, we, we know the pitching is going to be rough to start with, but the injuries. They also got Craig Kimbrell. So you'll talk, you'll talk about him a little bit. He just got his 400 save or 500. Mm-hmm. One, one of the milestones. 400, that, that sounds better. 500 uh, seems high. It, it is pretty high. That's like Mariano numbers. But anyway, the, the Orioles get an A because um, they pretty much had one need and they went after it. Man. Yeah, I, I give them an A minus. So a good grade for me as well, too. Like you said, this offseason wasn't an offseason that you need to do anything crazy. Uh, granted, they did get Corbin Birds, and that is kind of crazy. That's a great move by them. They didn't really give up anything that was going to affect too much of their future. Craig Kimbrell. Perfect signing for the the injury of Jose or not Jose Felix Bautista, who's going to be out for the entire year this year, unfortunately. And then on fan graphs, I was looking at their lineup. It says Jackson Holiday's opening day starting shortstop. Will they go that way? I'm not exactly too sure yet. Maybe they, you know, give Mateo uh, a couple weeks or something like that, and then Holiday comes in. But if he's the opening day starting shortstop, I'm all for it. Still only 20 years old. I like what the Orioles did this year. Didn't have to do too much. And the most that they did me, I like. So they get an A minus for me. Moving on to the Boston Red Sox. Boston, I'm going to give them a B. Uh, the first season with the new GM, trying to get younger. Uh, G. Lito and Tyler O'Neill could work out very well, but it's not a very high risk going after them. It's not a big contract. So I- I'm okay with them getting rid of Sale and Verdugo. I. Don't think it's going to have to take as long as some of the other teams to rebuild it. So I, I like the moves, trying to stay competitive while also getting younger at the same time. Yeah, the Red Sox offseason was kind of weird. It felt like they needed to kind of align their, realign their team to how their prospects are coming up. And so they got rid of Sale. They got rid of Verdugo, who's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. And they got a bit younger. Uh, getting Von Grissom in there is big. Uh, and then signing Tyler O'Neill, Lucas Giolito, Liam Hendricks, who won't play this year, but will play next year, uh, to deals is kind of just filler spots for some of the younger guys until they come up. I don't like that they're probably going to lose Adam Duvall. He's still a free agent, but he was a big bat in that lineup last year. And there was moments watching him play last year where he was a legitimate like top 
20 bat in the league where he was just smashing baseballs left and right. And it, it felt like every single time he's going to go up there, he's going to hit the ball hard. Uh, and so taking him out and putting Tyler O'Neill in, sure, Tyler O'Neill's really streaky, but I'm not a huge fan of that move. And then losing Justin Turner, I understand it with the, uh, you know, kind of youth wave type stuff. Justin Turner is pretty old, but he just had one of his best seasons last year. So I'm not a huge fan of getting rid of him. The catcher situation is a little interesting. Connor Wong and Reese McGuire. I'm a huge fan of that duo, but besides that, I'm okay with it. I gave him a C. I don't really feel too good or too bad about, about it on either side. The New York Yankees. Also gave them an A, uh, tied with the Orioles in the lead here for the AL East. Um, Juan Soto is a, a pretty big name here. One of the guys who can probably turn the page here, especially when it comes to October baseball. The bats were very quiet at the end of last season. Uh, so that that's massive. That's the, the major thing here. Um, losing Michael King, of course, but Stroman has been very good. So I, I just see that as him stepping in to one spot here. Obviously, um, they don't want to be done yet. The pitching was ranked in the bottom over the past couple of years, but it's the right start for the Yankees. Yeah, I, I like the Yankees offseason. It was always, these past few years, it's always been, will the Yankees address the fact that they have no left-handed hitters in a ballpark that has the shortest right field except for Fenway Park, of course, or Fenway, yeah, Fenway. Uh, and they addressed that. You know, they got Verdugo, they got Soto, they got Trent Grisham to be their fifth outfielder. Uh, and then they added a few arms in Stroman and Caleb Ferguson, who I actually like quite a bit. But they lost a lot of, like, right around, like, one or two more players that just help impact, you know, winning games throughout the season. Uh, IKF, Fr- Frankie Montas, who I don't even play much for them, but was still going to be a productive guy, you can imagine. Wandy Peralta is probably the biggest loss out of anyone. Uh, he's big, or I guess Michael King's the biggest loss, but out of the signing ways, Wandy Peralta is the biggest one, and Luis Severino as well, too. Regardless, I think the Yankees should be fine. Uh, I don't think he's as good as an offseason as the Orioles, so I put one tier below out of B+. But I like what they did. The Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, I gave him a C. Uh, I wasn't really sure where to go with it. It seems like they're gearing up for a rebuild here. They have a, a very good next group of top prospects that aren't going to be up this year quite yet. Uh, Glasnow trade wasn't really for now. They're they're trying to dump the arm that's been injured. And the big thing here is the payroll would be the highest ever in franchise history. And you know they can't be too happy about that. So you just got to hope that return for Glass now is going to be enough uh, so you can actually have a major league rotation this season. Mm. And um, it's not that they have bad players. They have a very great roster. It's very well built for a situation like this. But I don't think they're done getting rid of guys either. It's a lot of money on the payroll. Yeah. I look at their roster and I scroll down to the injured pitchers. I see McClanahan, Rasmussen, and Jeffrey Springs. And I say, well, this is kind of chalking. Regardless, if you don't have those three guys, most likely you're not going to have them for the entire year. Maybe you see Springs at the end, but Tommy John from McClanahan was late August. Elbow surgery for Rasmussen in July. Uh, and then TJ for Springs uh, in late April. So maybe you get back but regardless you're not going to have him for the entire season who 
who they had, Jose Caballero, Johnny DeLuca, and Ryan Papioy in the uh, Tyler Glasnow deal. They signed Phil Maton and a couple other relievers. They lost Luke Rayleigh, who I'm actually a big fan of. I think he's a guy who's pretty impactful. And then Robert Stevenson, who they got out of, got off of waivers last year. They just let walk and let him go to the Angels, I believe. But this just doesn't feel that good, to be honest with you. I, I gave him a C minus. They could have done more. I think they will, like you said, continue trading guys. I see Zach Eflin as one of those guys that they could possibly trade. They could sign him mm-hmm. to a three-year deal last year, I want to say. So if they trade him this year, they got this year and next year of him and probably a decent enough return because he's a pretty solid starter. Uh, and like you said, they got all these guys coming up from the minors that just aren't quite ready yet. So getting prepared for that next wave uh, with, you know, Camonero and some of the other dudes as well too. So C-minus from them. I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. But they'll probably be close. Last team in the AL East, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, and they're going to get my lowest grade, too, at a D here. Uh, they just lost a lot of really good players. Chapman, Belt, you know, guys who were all-stars in the past couple seasons. And they missed out on every single big name they went after, which means that eventually one of Bo or Vladdy is going to have to get traded because they're not going to keep up with the AL East. Um, I really like Turner replacing Chapman, though. It's a nice short-term fix, of course, but that's mm-hmm. about it so far this offseason for them. Yeah, I give them a D as well, too. Like you said, they just lost a lot of impact players, and especially on the bat side of it, Chapman, Belt, Merrifield as well, too, who was an all-star last year. Losing Jordan Hicks, I know they traded from uh, halfway through the season last year, so it's not like it's anything too crazy. I like their rotation a lot. They added uh, Yariel Rodriguez, who I'm not sure if he will make the rotation. I kind of depends on Manoa. Having Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, Kikuchi, you got a great four from there. But the lineup just isn't exactly how you would like it unless you get good years from Kirk and Varsho. I, like you said, I do like the Justin Turner signing, but IKF as well, too. Eh. Yeah, a D kind of fits here. I, they swung and miss on the big guys. They didn't get some of their, you know, guys that they lost back. And they didn't really do much besides that. So I, I give it a D. And on to the Central. We'll start it off with the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox, I'm going to give them a C. I, I think it could have been a lot worse. Uh, Clevenger and Tim Anderson gone for their own reasons. We don't need to get into that. Um, but hey, they got Martin Maldonado to pose for all the posters. Uh, I'm just waiting for everyone to get traded. It's a you know disqualified grade here with the C. Yeah, let me just go through the names that the White Sox added this past year: Dominic Fletcher, Paul DeYoung, Nicky Lopez, Martin Maldonado, Max Stassi, Mike Soroka, and Eric Fetty. After his detour in Korea these past few years, they lost Gregory Santos who is probably the biggest loss out of anyone on their team that did, like you said, use, lose uh, Clevenger, Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal. But losing Santos for a reason that didn't really make sense to me is pretty stupid. I didn't like that move at all. The lineup looks terrible. The rotation has Chris Flexen as one of their starters and Eric Fetty as their two-thirder. We can imagine Dylan Cease gets traded at some point. I kind of would have wished they trade him in the offseason to build up their farm system, but 
I don't like this team. I don't see why they signed two catcher or got two catchers in Maldonado and Max Stassi when you just trade for Corey Lee. Uh, even though he's probably not the prospect that we once thought he was, you got to use him at some point, right? And then uh, Colson Montgomery's little too. Maybe he fits into a shortstop spot halfway through the year with the Young, so that makes a bit of sense there on why they would sign him. But I give it a D-plus for the White Sox. I wasn't a huge fan of this. The Cleveland Guardians. They're also going to get a C for me. Um, Cal Quantrill got traded, but that's about it, right? Uh, Stephen Vogt, great hire. He's been through it all as a player. So their season depends on, you know, who's going to be there at the trade deadline. If they could stay over 500, perfect. They have some superstars on the team, like J-Ram and the guys in the rotation. But if they start trading guys away, especially at the beginning of the year, maybe one of those arms, then, you know, it's not a competitive move at least for today. It's similar with the White Sox. We're just waiting for them to slowly collapse. There's a reason you got Stephen Vogt in the building. It's probably to keep everyone under control when guys get traded. Yeah. Yeah, I look at the Guardians' moves that they made, and they didn't really do anything. They got Austin Hedges back. They got Scott Barlow. That's really it for the big league roster. They're hoping... Espino's healthy and George Valera looks good this year because if they do, then they obviously become immediate and will be impact players. The rotation, even without Quantrill, who didn't have a good year last year, if McKenzie's healthy, it should be good with Bieber, McKenzie, uh, Ivy, Allen, and Williams. So I like the rotation. Lineup's not great. I don't like the fact that Miles Straw's Still your center fielder, and he can't hit for jack shit. But they signed him to the contract, so I, I kind of understand it there. I gave him a C minus. It wasn't good. I don't think it was the worst offseason, but it definitely could have been better. The Detroit Tigers, who actually finished second in the division last year. Yeah, I gave the Tigers a B minus because although they lost Erod to Arizona, uh, the rotation is still going to be fine. They have a bunch of young guys and adding Jack Flaherty, Kenta Maeda. That'll work. Uh, the thing about Detroit is they're going to roll the dice again with their young lineup. They were basically second or third to worst last season and everything, if I remember correctly. Uh, maybe not a lot of runs scored in this division, so that that could be on their side. Maybe they, they make a run here. But I'm not picking them. <laughs> I give him a B minus too. Actually, I don't mind some of the moves that they made. Losing Erod stuff, but you kind of knew he wasn't going to resign. How he screwed you with the trade deal. There wasn't much that you could do. But I like the rotation of Scooball, adding Flaherty, Maeda, and then having Matt Manning and Reese Olsen to round it out. I think it's a solid and pretty deep five. They added Marcana to just kind of fill a spot for a year until they get you know Colt Keith, Jace Jung, a few of those dudes up. I like the core three of Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter. After that, it gets a little confusing. Regardless, I think Detroit did a pretty good job this offseason, and I gave them a B minus. Minnesota. Minnesota gets a C plus. Uh, it, it wasn't a bad plan. I just think they ended up losing more than they thought they would. Sonny Gray and then Jorge Polanco moved over to Seattle, but they have a lot of depth. Uh, we talked about this uh, 
maybe yesterday, maybe a week ago, but it's probably the best depth in the central. So, uh, you know, the lineup's going to be okay. They're okay losing guys and, and, and trading them for arms because it all comes down to that rotation. They were ranked in the top five last year. Can they stay healthy and make up for the lost innings? Sonny Gray. They made a lot of moves this offseason. They added a lot of guys, lost a lot of guys. They lost Polanco, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, Tyler Maley, Joey Gallo, Donovan Solano, Michael A. Taylor, who were all impact players for them over the last two years. They added a few dudes as well, too. Carlos Santana, I don't mind that, to just you know help be a vet in the locker room, a guy who's been there and be a decently solid bat, slightly above average. Anthony Descafani, they got... In the Polanco trade, actually, uh, and then they added a few relievers: Justin Topa, Stephen Okert, and Josh Stamont, who are all like this. This offseason was a weird year for them in the way that they had, like you said, have all these dudes that haven't played a ton, and so you just were trying to find spots where you could insert them. And I think they accomplished that. And so I give them a B minus. I think we should see a good, you know, full year for Kirilla, Longler. Edward Julian, Royce Lewis, and if you do that, you're probably going to end up winning the Central again. So, I'm going to be last. The Kansas City Royals. Yeah, the best offseason out of the Central. They get a B-plus for me. I don't necessarily think that this one offseason makes them a good team again, but replacing pitchers who can't get anyone out with respected arms like Lugo, Waka, it's a good start. And I know you have a lot more names that, that you will share with me, so I'll, I'll leave it right there. B-plus, they're headed in the right direction. You you love to see low-market teams start to spend a little bit. I gave the Royals an A-minus. I talked about this a few weeks ago. I loved what they were doing. They built into a rotation where Cole Reagans is the ace. It kind of came out of nowhere, but he's got some of the best stuff in the league. Michael Walker and Seth Lugo, they both got from San Diego. Love those. It's just, just solid three starters in your rotation. Brady Singer, hopefully we get a good year from him, and that could be interesting. And then you have Jordan Lyles or Kyle Wright for that last spot in your rotation. I think that's a solid spot. Their bullpen, they had Will Smith, John Schreiber, who they just traded for a couple days ago, Nick Anderson, Chris Stratton. It's a solid bullpen. Is it anything crazy? Is it the best in the league? Hell no, but it's not the worst in the league. I'll give them that. The lineup, not a crazy huge fan of having guys like Kyle Isabella and Michael Massey uh, in your starting lineup, but they added Hunter Renfro. And the big thing is, is they signed Bobby Witt to a long-term contract, something that they haven't been able to do for really anybody. And I love to see it. So I give them an A-. minus. They did a good job this offseason. You could tell they're like, you know, we're not going to let this end up like Mike Trout in Los Angeles, where no matter what happens around them, it's just already done. It's over. Yeah. They actually gave a shit, which is cool for a team who usually doesn't give a lot of shits. The AL West, though, is up next, and we're starting with the Houston Astros. Yeah, I'm actually going to give the Astros an A. You know, what do you do when two of your top relievers, Hector Norris, Phil Maton, explore free agency? You go get Josh Hader. They're going to be perfectly fine this year. They're losing some older guys like Michael Brantley, but I don't even need to get into the rest because that's another team that is extremely deep, ready for, for basically any problems that come their way this regular season. Yeah. I gave the Astros an A minus as well, too. And this hinged a ton on the Josh Hader signing. This puts their bullpen 
Would they have Presley, Hayter, and Brian Abreu to go seven, eight, nine on you? The game's done. Uh, and signing Hayter doesn't just boost third grade. It knocks down the Rangers grade because we had him as like a pencil in for the Rangers closing spot going into last year's offseason. And now, now he's on the exact opposite team at the Rangers, uh, being on the rival with the Astros. I love what they did. They also had uh, Victor Caracchini got rid of Marky Maldonado for about the end time there. Lineup's good. The rotation's good. The bullpen's good. Houston will be contenders as always. So A minus. The Angels. <laughs> okay. The Angels are going to get a C here. This one, was, again, was hard for me because you should have known to trade Otani at this point. You should have. I mean, it was inevitable, but technically this isn't part of the grade, I guess. Um, bring in Robert Stevenson, Matt Moore, Aaron Hicks, all coming off of decent seasons. You know, I was looking at their fan graphs page today. They're all way above league average players, but it's just not going to be the same. It's not a plug and play organization like Baltimore or even Minnesota, like we were just talking about. These young guys are going to struggle a lot this season. Yeah, uh, they lost Shohei Otani, so that already takes your grade down quite a bit. Uh, everybody that they traded for last year is gone, so you just burned a ton of prospects pretty much. Uh, added Aaron Hicks, who should be a utility bat for you, uh, fourth outfielder most likely. Robert Stevenson, I like. He could be your closer. I'm not a huge fan of Estevez. I think he drops off a little bit, and Robert Stevenson should be able to fill into that role pretty easily. Uh, and then he added a whole bunch of other guys, like you said, Matt Moore, Luis Garcia is there, Adam Simber, uh, and that's. And I was looking at the roster, and I was looking at the amount of their first round picks they have on their team. They have their 2009. 2015, 16, 17, 2020, 2021, maybe Sam Bach, or uh, I said almost said Bachmeyer, uh, Sam Bachman. Uh, and then your 2022 in Zach Nato, 2023 first round pick in Nolan Chanoel. And I don't think I thought any other team have as many first round picks, but having eight or nine of them is Throwing money crazy. Throwing too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't their first round pick, but yeah. he's, he's there as well, too. They also have Rendon, who was a first round pick. They have uh, uh, Aaron Hicks, who was a first round pick. They have Tyler Anderson, who was a first round pick. Robert Stevenson was a first round pick. So it's just kind of crazy uh, how this roster construction is. It doesn't mean anything. It's just interesting to point out. Uh, but I give them a D for losing Shohei Otani because they. Handled that situation terribly. Yo, I actually think this was a better offseason than most people expected. So I gave him a C, the same as as the Angels. Um, it, it's just tough when the, you don't spend a lot. But over the past couple of seasons, they haven't had anyone like a Wood or Stripling with a serious following at the next trade deadline. That could happen where we could actually bring in some decent guys who aren't Medelson and Chapman and and destroy everything. Sorry, I'm trying not to get a, you know too upset over here. But, hey, Abraham Toro can rake. We know he's not terrible. We watch him in the division. Uh, this is better than last season. Give him that. Yeah. We didn't lose anything because we didn't have anything to lose. So there, that's kind of one way to look at it. 
uh, Adam Abraham Toro, Miguel Andujar. I like the wooden stripling move. It, it just gives us a bit of stability within the rotation where you know that those guys are most likely going to be able to give you five, maybe six innings. And I think we have two consistent guys already in J.P. Sears and Paul Blackburn. So finding that fifth guy, whether it's Medina, whether it's Joe Boyle, whether it's Joey Estes, hopefully Mason Miller, if we put him back in the rotation. I think the rotation can work. I think the bullpen can work as well, too. The lineup, I would have loved a different answer than Abraham Toro at third base. He's a guy who can get hot, but I don't want to bet on that as, you know, consistent. So would have loved maybe signing a guy for, you know, five to ten million at that spot. Maybe give a, more of a veteran spot because he's him and Seth Brown are the biggest veterans on this lineup as far as MLB service time. So would love something different there. Eleven is still on this team, so fuck us. Uh I give it a C. Cause I mean what more are we gonna do, to be honest with you? What did we do? It's bad. The Seattle Mariners. I gave the Mariners a B plus. Uh, Teoscar walked as expected, but you pick up some some decent bats here. Garver, Polanco, uh, who should be big right away. Uh, they get rid of Robbie Ray's terrible contract and lots of arms to look forward to in Seattle. I This is my tied for second best offseason for the Mariners. I gave them an A. I love the addition of Jorge Polanco, Mitch Garver, Luke Rayleigh, getting Mitch Hanniger back, and adding Gregory Santos as well, too. The guys that they lost, you're okay with. Robbie Ray was overpaid and under, under-delivering, and Teoscar Hernandez was a good guy to get rid of based off of how he strikes out too much, doesn't walk at all. It just didn't fit the lineup too well for what they were looking for. They transformed their lineup from literally being a spot where like, yeah, they're probably not getting back to the playoffs in a bit. To now, I'm looking at this team, and they should be a wild card spot. I, I'm not a huge fan of Josh Rojas playing third base for you every single day. So if you address that, I think it's an A-plus offseason. But without it, regardless, this team's got the pitching. This team's got the bullpen. This team's got the lineup. They're going to be a good squad this year. I give them an A. Last team in the AL, the Rangers. Yeah, like uh, you were hinting at earlier, the Rangers get a D here, uh, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's weird coming off of a World Series win, but they just missed on the the select few guys they were going for. And the rotation is probably not going to be great to start off the year with Montgomery 99% gone, uh, injuries to DeGrom and Scherzer, of course, uh, and an already questionable bullpen missing out once again on on all of the guys you tried to get. Uh, you're going to roll the dice with the young guys. So we'll see how it goes. Rangers didn't add much. They lost a lot of guys that contributed to their World Series team last year. Uh, Montgomery, Garver, Chapman, Stratton, Martin Perez. Robbie Grossman was also there as well, too. He didn't send up anybody, but he was pretty solid. And I wanted to give them like a D or, you know, a D minus, something bad. And I settled on a C minus because I still look at their lineup. We're going to get a full year of Evan Carter. We're going to get Wyatt Langford playing. We're going to, 
they got so many prospects, man. It's just unfair with what they got. So they'll be fine. The rotation is a bit suspect with Cody Bradford listed as your five starter. The bullpen's pretty suspect, but Scherzer should be back, I'd imagine. DeGrom maybe at the end of the year, and Tyler Maley as well, too, who they signed. So maybe it gets better. Bullpen's pretty easy to add at the deadline, too, so that's yeah. one way to look at it. But it would have been nice to have it in the beginning part of the season rather than having to add it later. As the games in April mean a ton in this division because we have three teams that can legitimately win the division. So I give it a C minus. On to the NL, starting off with the NL East and everybody's favorite, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, the Braves got to be here. Uh, everything's pretty much set. Uh, so I look at these moves as extra help more than a gamble. So Chris Sale, Jared Kalanick, Ronaldo Lopez, they've all had their moments. If they can keep contributing throughout the season, healthy, that'll make Atlanta that much better and more prepared for the postseason. Yeah. Atlanta's at the point where it's not adding needs. It's just adding wants. And they wanted a guy that could potentially boom like Jared Kalanick. They got him. They wanted a guy that could help round out the rotation and they got that in Chris Sale. Could they be flops? Maybe. They're the Atlanta Braves, so most likely not. Kellenick's going to hit 30 homers. Chris Sale's going to have a sub-three-year ray. And the Braves are going to win probably 110 games. However, they did lose a few guys. Eddie Rosario is big, but adding Kellenick kind of you know replaces that. Trading away Grissom is expendable, so I'm okay with it. I give him an A-minus. Good offseason. Miami. <laughs> yeah, Miami gets an F. Uh, I believe this is the first F I've given. You fire Kim Ning, who put together a great group. You let everyone walk, and you replace them with cheap, underperforming versions of themselves. Um, if I didn't know any better, I would say we're gearing up for uh, a fire sale Fire sale here in Miami. Sheesh. Maybe even sooner than uh, Tampa Bay's that we're predicting. And I would not want to be a part of this uh, this organization at all. That's probably why Derek Jeter left. Last year, he knew. Yeah. Uh, I give Miami a D. They had a very bad offseason where they didn't address anything, really, to be honest with you. They added Vidal Brujan, who hasn't looked good as a player since he came up, even though he was a top prospect, and Nick Gordon, who is a cool story, but that's about it. The rotation is still deep. They're not going to have Sandy this year, which is unfortunate. But uh, why didn't you dress having John Birdie and Avaseo Garcia in your lineup, especially when you were a postseason team last year? I don't think we're going to see some crazy, you know, progression from Jess Chisholm or Jake Berger or Brian De La Cruz or somebody like that to help, you know, fulfill Solaire's shoes. So. I'm expecting a bad year from this team. I expect maybe Lazardo to be traded at some point. I expect maybe we even see Jake Berger or Brian De La Cruz, Jason Sanchez, somebody like that traded. It's a D, man. There's nothing else I can say. And I'm okay with that. Great as well, too. Mets. I gave the Mets a C. Uh, we kind of knew there weren't going to be any big moves this offseason unless it was one of the Japanese guys. Um, Shamanaya, Harrison Bader, they have playoff experience. Maybe those will be the new clubhouse guys. 
Um, but that's that's about all I've gotten from their their off season. I thought I thought it was solid. Uh, like you said, we knew the Mets weren't going to be some crazy big player this offseason. They spent a ton of money these last five years, so it's kind of kicking back and waiting for the prospects to develop. I think was the right thing to do. It sucks not having Ronnie Mauricio for the year with the torn ACL. So that kind of throws a wrench into whether you want to put Brett Beatty or Mark Vientos at third base. And it looks like they're going to go with Beatty, according to Fangrass. I don't know how accurate that'll actually be. Then it had some solid dudes, though. Harrison Bader, Joey Wendell, Tyrone Taylor, Luis Severino, Sean Manaya, Adrian Hauser, Jake Diekman, Shintaro Fujinami, and Jorge Lopez can all be impact players. So I think they did a good job there. I don't think this team is going to be as bad as what some people expect, but uh, that's not going to be great either. I gave it a B. Philadelphia. Yeah. I originally had this one pretty low uh, with the no major league additions to my memory. And then I remembered, of course, Aaron Nola originally did hit the open market, but that didn't last very long. So uh, I think keeping Aaron Nola will, you know, give you a C plus B minus type grade on his own, but they, they really need another starter. Um, they need to, uh, to fill out the lineup with more, more league average guys. Cause you can't get into the playoffs and have a cold streak. Um, we saw that with, with many teams this year, but uh, the Phillies are just trying to not lose everybody. I guess uh, one more, I guess, dance you could say with, with these guys and Harper at first base. Yeah, uh, this seems better than LCS back-to-back years with what they got. So I didn't think they were in a spot where they needed to add anyone crazy. I'm a huge fan, of course, of bringing Aaron Nola back. That was, that was huge. And I really like what they just did a couple days ago and adding what Merrifield. That uh, means a lot to that roster because he can give somebody an off day regardless of what position you play. You can play any outfield spot. You can play any infield spot. You can't play catcher, but... Maybe you could, who knows, but it's, I like this roster, man. It, having Johan Rojas as your starting center fielder might not be the best thing to do offensively, but we know how good of a defender that he is and how good the rest of your nine is, that it makes sense to have a guy like that in there. Rotation can definitely work on the five spot. Christopher Sanchez is not the dude that I would prefer. Uh, and their their bullpen isn't the greatest either, uh, outside of a few guys. But I gave it a B minus. It wasn't a bad off season. Wasn't the best, no, because they didn't get a Shohei Otani or you know Blake Snell quite yet. But it wasn't it wasn't bad. In my opinion. The Nationals. I give the Nationals a C plus because again they're one of those teams. Like, what are you supposed to do? They had to just trade all their players of value last season already. Uh, you know, because a guy like Candelario, if he's on your team, he's going to want the bag and he's not going to get it in Washington. But I like them taking shots on Nick Senzel, Joey Gallo. Uh, there's some dudes in that lineup, really, like Lane Thomas that not a lot of people talk about. And they're going to get there, man. It may take a while, but they're getting there. Yeah. I looked at Washington at the end of last year and I saw them as a team that could be like, last year's Reds, where halfway through the year, they get the change in vibe, they bring a guy up, and they start playing good baseball. I, I think this would be worse regardless than the Reds. I think stealing is probably 80 wins. 
But this year, you, you got to understand the Gallo signings, the Linker signings, the Zenzel signing. They were just filler spots that you can trade this guy deadline, maybe get a decent prospect back and, you know, develop a guy if all goes well. Most likely one or two of these guys turns into somebody that you can trade. The other guy turns into someone you're probably going to have to DFA, but you just had to wait a year for Dylan Cruz and James Wood and maybe Robert Hassel as well, too, if he ever develops into anything. Uh, however, I do wish that they address the bullpen more. It's awful. It's, it's legitimately really bad, so... Washington gets a C. It's okay. The NL Central starting off with the Chicago Cubs. So the Cubs are going to get a C minus, and again, it's kind of an, an incomplete C minus. But this is where I'm leaning towards with Bellinger still available. Um, their manager leaving for the rival Brewers is tough, man. But you know they do replace Marcus Stroman with uh, yeah. Reverse. They got. They got. They, got, they got him. Yeah. I guess I am. I reading the right team right here. Um, I don't know. I'll worry about it when we get to the Brewers. Anyways, they get an upgrade at manager. They replace Stroman with Shoto Imanaga, who looks pretty good right now, as the pitchers and catchers have reported already for a while. And um, it's a waiting game for the Cubs. C-minus because, I don't know, you could say they, they haven't been the aggressors of the of the division so far. I give them a D-plus. I, I didn't like this offseason. It was... You know, maybe Shohei, maybe Chapman, maybe Bellinger comes back, and two of the three guys are still free agents. But at this point in the season or offseason banking on that is kind of crazy. They added Michael Bush, uh, Shoto Amanaga, like you said, Hector Nuri, uh, and Yancy Almonte. I like most of those moves. I don't like that Mike Talkman and Nick Magical are projected to be in your starting lineup. Uh, PCA is most likely going to take over for Talkman at some point, but I was never a huge fan of Kerr Armstrong's bat regardless. And I don't know. I just didn't like the stuff that they did. The roster is kind of just a jumbled group of veterans for the most part. I, I give it a D plus And I said, oh, so in here, please add Matt, add Matt Chapman because you need to in order to save this off too. The Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, they're going to get a B-plus from me. Uh, Candelario, um, massive, of course. Nick Martinez on the mound in whatever situation. Uh, I, I did see. I want to look it up. They have Martinez listed as the five-starter right now, uh, but we'll yeah. see what happens. Uh, just trying to build around the youngsters without messing it up. Obviously, there's room now for uh, another power hitter with Votto leaving. Not that he was hitting 30 homers still, but uh, – that spot in the lineup is open, and uh, I yeah. think the Reds are going to be able to do something cool with that. I love this offseason. I, I gave it an A, tied for my second highest grade with the Mariners. Adding Candelario feels like a perfect bet to add into this lineup, a switch-hitting guy that can hit both sides well, can play a couple different positions as well, too, so he's not glued to a singular spot if you feel a certain way about a certain prospect. Adding Montas and Nick Martinez to a rotation that really deeply need a four, needed a four and five starter. The bullpen, they added a few guys in there. However, they're, I mean, it's already pretty damn good bullpen, I'm not going to lie. This is going to be the year that they take over the Central. It, it has to be. I see a few teams, maybe the Brewers and the Cardinals, could possibly compete. 
but the lineup is deep, man. The rotation's deep. The bullpen's deep. The prospects are good. This is going to be a fun year to watch the Reds play, and so I gave them an A. The, not the Steelers, the Pirates. There we go. The Pirates uh, get a C. Araldis Chapman, Martin Perez, they could be trade pieces, uh, but for them, it's all about the high draft picks, the development of Davis, Rodriguez, and Johnson. They're going to outweigh whatever other moves they could possibly make. Um, and I'm, I'm leaving out Paul Skeens, of course. He's probably at the top of that list of uh, you give that guy whatever he needs and um, and trade everyone else around him. So Pittsburgh is probably not going to be great again. But, hey, who knows? Uh, a lot of youngsters could be coming up. Yeah. Yeah. The names that they added this offseason are uh, pretty, pretty mid, a whole lot of mid. Uh, Rowdy Tellez, Yasmani Grandal, Edward Oliveras, who's actually decent, Martin Perez, Marco Gonzalez, and Aroldis Chapman. They signed a whole bunch of vets to a team that maybe needed that direction after kind of having a bit of an underwhelming prospect first year for a lot of the guys. It sucks losing Johan uh, Oviedo to Tommy John as well, too. He had some pretty damn good stuff at the end of last year, so he's out the rest of this year and maybe even next year as well, too. Skeen should be up maybe even opening day, and you got to hope he's up very soon because your rotation is awful. Like, it's probably the worst in the league. Bailey Fulton, Louise L. Ortiz, and Marco Gonzalez – in there, I mean, come on. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, we need to see Quinn Priester. We need to see Paul Skeens. We need to see a couple other guys as well, too, in order for it to be even mid-rotation. But I gave it a C because the Pirates, they, they do this stuff a lot. The Brewers. Brewers get a D plus. This is my lowest grade in the NL Central this year. Um, you know, Milwaukee says they still want to compete and win the Central despite losing Burns, Canna, Carlos Santana. Um, but Hoskins, you know, if he's ready to go, will put up some numbers in the lineup that is lacking any type of number, no matter if it's a contact or power bat. Uh, they got Woodruff to come back, even though he's probably going to miss the entire season. Um, and, I, you know, they're going to be in the race, but I think this is the first time in a long time I'm going to have a different NL Central winner in our preview show. That's how I'm feeling about Milwaukee right now. Um, they lost a lot of some of their like impact players throughout the roster. The Caratini, Brian Anderson, Andrew Chafin, who they traded for, Rowdy Tellez, and of course, Corbin Burns. Some pretty big contributors. Granted, they did get Rees. They got Gary Sanchez, Jake Bowers. Joey Ortiz came back in that Cora Burns deal, Jacob Junis deal, Hall. They made some moves to try to supplement to what could have been a really bad offseason. I think they did an okay job at that. So I gave them a C plus. I definitely not pick them to win the division. As of right now, I'd probably want to say three for the division, but a C plus for the offseason. I don't think it was terrible. Uh, with, of course, having to lose Corbin Burns. Mm. Last team in the Central, Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals, Cardinals get a B. The Cardinals of St. Louis 
get a B here. They understood what was on the line here. Uh, they have an old roster. The division is still up for grabs, however, and they needed some pitching. So they grabbed Sonny Gray, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn. It's better than what they had last season, even if uh, some of these guys tend to struggle. Uh, I, I just think this is headed in the right direction for uh, a quick playoff appearance. I don't know how it's going to look in a couple of years from now, but for now it's a B. It's what they needed. They needed to fill the spots on the field. Yeah. Uh, last year we were screaming for them to add pitching. He added a lot of veteran pitching, Sonny Gray, Carl Gibson, Lancelin, all expected to be part of the rotation. Along with Steven Matz and Miles Mikolas, they have probably the most mid-rotation of all time. I'm not going to lie. It's, the roster just feels weird because they've had this roster for pretty much three years in a row now at this point. One year they won the division. The next year they were last in the division. And nothing significantly changed. So I don't know, to be honest with you. It's very weird. I do think Jordan Walker's rookie season went under the radar quite a bit mm-hmm. because the Cardinals weren't good. He was he was really damn productive at the play, and I think we could see a full-on breakout year from him this year. If they do, then maybe they could be a team that competes for the division, or out of nowhere, maybe they just you know lose ninety something games again, and it just makes no sense. But Cardinals going to be minus for me. I think they did a decent job this offseason. The NL West starting off with the reigning NL champs. Sounds pretty weird to say that. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, they're going to get an A from me, man. Tommy Pham and Longo are leaving, so they go out and get Eugenio Suarez and Jock Peterson to replace them right away. Easy fix. Also, stealing Erod away from the East Coast is massive. That could make a difference in another World Series run and a top-of-the-line starter like that. Yeah, I, I like this offseason a lot. I gave it a B plus because obviously it could have been better uh, in a few different spots. But the guys that they lost, Tommy Pham and Evan Longoria, they were replaced with better players and younger players than Jock Peterson and Nehanyo Suarez. So I was a huge fan of those. Uh, adding Erod into rotation when we last year were saying that they weren't going to win a World Series because they didn't have a third consistent starter. I know Brandon Bat stepped up. But now having a fourth guy in Erod is really, really big. And then a couple of days ago who can put some guys some days off. And he's been in the league for nine years at this point. He, he can you know help mentor some of these dudes, that some of those young guys that you are relying on uh, for your team, like Alec Thomas and, and Corbin Burns. I give it a B plus. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, I think they did a good job. The Colorado Rockies. Yeah, uh, the Rockies. I actually gave them a C plus here because pitching is always the problem. So what do they do? They they got two guys who are low risk, high reward. Cal Quantrill, Dakota Hudson. It's probably not going to work out in the end. But hey, at least they tried something. We know how it goes. We know the division they play in. They're not going to go out and get. Blake Snell, it's just not possible. They pitch in Colorado. So to do anything at all, I think uh, makes a, mo- a more valuable offseason than someone like the Pirates or or even the Ace. I 
the Rockies are so confusing to me. I, I look at their you just look at their lineup and you can break it into like five different segments. You have the young guys who are usually there on a on a bad team like Tovar, Nolan Jones. You have the vet who's been there forever in Charlie Blackman. You have the guy who you projected to be your star in Chris Bryant. And you have a couple of guys who should be solid role players on contending teams like Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rodgers, and Elias Diaz. And they have all these guys just mushed together. And it just makes zero sense. The names that they added this offseason, oh, man, Jacob Stallings, Bradley Zimmer, Cal Quantrill, and Dakota Hudson. Like you said, at least they tried at the rotation. These guys don't fit cores at all. They have numbers that don't work well. They don't strike a lot of guys out. That's exactly you need guys that strike people out a ton and a ton of ground balls to be good at in Colorado. And they just let two dudes who don't do that at all. Bradley Zimmer. I guarantee you, if he makes the roster, he will hit one like 550-foot home run out of nowhere because he's just a massive human being, and that'll be like the only homer he hits the entire season. I'll be waiting. <laughs> but my my comment on my notes sheet for, for this was, I, I just said, what is this roster? It, it makes zero sense what they're doing. The Chris Bryant signing looks terrible. Each day you go longer man uh, at least they're not trying to overcorrect right sure but <laughs> they're trying very hard to undercorrect is is what i'll state if you're gonna put it like that yeah. so i give it a d the san diego padres might have one up the colorado rockies for a bad offseason yeah i gave him an f uh i hated to do it because i don't mind san diego i like watching them but uh Another team that could have prepared for how terrible this went. Uh, this team is an absolute mess, despite being one of the most talented teams across MLB. Michael King is good, but they panicked on every single move. Uh, the only thing I think they did right was moving Xander to second base because Hashan Kim is unbelievable. Uh, so I'm excited for that, but that's that's about it. A lot of roster rotation probably lost the most out of any team this past year's uh, Blake Snell, Seth Lugo, Michael Walker, uh, Gary Sanchez, who was good for the last year, Josh Hader, um, Nick Martinez, Luis Garcia, Tim Hill, uh, and Austin Nola as well, too. Uh, and then a couple guys at the trade for that they didn't get back, Rich Hill, who's like 50, so that's okay. But Garrett Cooper, G-Man Choi, a couple decently average MLB players that you could resign to your bench, and they didn't. They added a lot of dues either from the Yankees or from the international pool uh, with Michael King, Randy Vasquez, Yuki Matsui, Wandi Peralta, Musa Go. Crazy name, by the way. Higgy, uh, uh, they added as well too. Eniel De Los Santos, who they traded for. Kind of a decent move there, but this roster is... Not as bad as the Rockies, of course, but it doesn't make sense in a few ways where you have Profar, Matthew Batten, and Jose Azokar in your starting lineup with Fernando Tatis, Xander Bogarts, and Manny Machado. I know they got the prospects that will call up eventually. 
But the Matthew Batten spot is something I'm looking at. And it made me think, does Jackson Merrill get the opening day roster spot instead of Batten? Because I would. I would put him there. I know he's only like 20 years old or whatever. But we've seen the Padres rush up their prospects before, and I wouldn't be shocked if they do it right now for their number one prospect and a top 30 prospect in all baseball, Jackson Merrill. So that's my uh, hypothesis with that opening day spot. The Giants. I gave the Giants a B minus. They missed out on a whole lot again, but they didn't come out empty handed like years past. Jung Hoo Lee, the new leadoff hitter from Korea, should be solid. Jorge Soler can hit 30 homers, something the Giants haven't done since Barry Bonds was there. And pitching wise, they're going risky here, picking up Jordan Hicks and Robbie Ray. Who knows if these guys will even be able to start games? They may end up going to the pen if they actually do stay healthy. But they did something. They're going to be a little better than last year, I think. Giants, man. I love this roster. I love what they did this offseason. When you don't get Shohei, what do you do? You get four different players that make up another Shohei Otani. You got the contact in Jung Hoon Lee. You got the power in Jorge Soler. You got the velocity in Jordan Hicks. And you got the craziness of Robbie Ray as well, too. <laughs> Could it all work out bad and, you know, Hicks doesn't throw a strike, Robbie Ray can't stay healthy, Solaire goes back to what he was in 2022, where he didn't perform, Jung Hoo Lee, who's coming off of a broken ankle, doesn't get used to them, will be pitching quick enough, maybe, but I think it works out decently well for them. The lineup feels very steady, one through nine. They should have some young guys, Marco Luciano, Patrick Bailey, or you guys who have been up a little bit, be impact players for them this year. The rotation is very deep and healthy, where you have Logan Webb, Paul Harrison, Jordan Hicks, Alex Cobb, who's one of the most underrated arms in the league, and Robbie Ray as well, too. The bullpen's good as well, too. If it all works out, they could be a wild card team, and if it doesn't all work out they could win 70 games so who knows what the Giants but I think they did a good job I give them an A minus one of my more favorite off seasons this entire year okay and then the last one probably saving the best for last the Los Angeles Dodgers A plus Otani Yamamoto last now Teoscar plus that's all yeah, it's an easy A+. Plus. The one guy that stands out that they lost is J.D. Martinez, and they only lost him because they signed the best player that we've seen in a long time in Shohei Otani. They got Teoscar Hernandez, who I don't think fit well in the Mariners lineup, but should fit just fine in the Dodgers lineup because they have a way different role for him. Teoscar was asked to get higher up in the order for the Mariners, be the main guy to drive in runs. Here, he's going to hit probably seventh or eighth and be asked to, you know, get guys home like Will Smith and Max Muncy and James Altman who are on base and ahead of him. So I think he should do a good job on that. Rotation, Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, Tyler Glasnow, James Paxton, who they added kind of sneakily. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rotation is going to be really damn good. We should see Walker Wheeler come back. We should see Dustin May hopefully come back. We should see 
Clayton Kershaw come back. I don't think we will see Gonsolin at all this year because since Tommy John was early September, so that kind of puts him out for the entirety of this year. But this is, I mean, it's best offseason. That's the best way to put it. They got the best player in the league, and they're already one of the best teams in the league. It's an A-plus for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Anyways, now we're into our episode. We're moving on to the second segment where we are talking about the NBA All-Star Weekend. I know we're going to talk about it a bit in a halftime in the second half, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but we're talking about LeBron James first, the 39-year-old man. We talked about this a little bit at our PlayStation party a couple of days ago. How long will LeBron James play, and how long can he play? So there's two questions within that. The willingness of it, and then the ability of him. What do you think with LeBron? I think LeBron could play forever. I'll say in a perfect world, he would play until 45 because that's what Brady did. And LeBron being probably the most competitive athlete still doing it. uh, I would imagine that number means a lot to him to play until 45. However, that's probably not going to happen. He's played in the perfect era for someone his size, considering, you know, missing 20 games a year was okay until right about now with them not being allowed to win awards. It's not about having a day off for him. It's about avoiding major injury with with his timing of missing games, which is going to start to slow him down, I'll say, after the 2025 season. So he plays two more years. And LeBron's interesting, man. How long will he play? It's kind of just when he decides to hang him up because he's got the ability to play, like you said, for a long, long time. I want to say it's not next year. But the year after would be his last year. I think he, him and Bronny find a way to play together in some capacity within those two years. I think he's done getting rings unless he comes to the Warriors. But uh, I think two more years is what LeBron will end up doing. How long can he play? I think he can legitimately play into his late 40s, maybe even get to 50. We're talking if he like goes down to the point where like Vince Carter was retiring. So Mm -hmm. like Vince Carter at the end of his career, he was the eighth or ninth man on that team in Dallas or whatever he was. And I think with LeBron, I mean, obviously the athleticism steadily, slowly declined. So we're starting to a little bit see that with him, but the jump shot starting to get there a little bit better with him. And the IQ is off the charts. This guy knows exactly what he's doing at any given moment within the game. He knows what the other team is doing. And I think that alone can get him to be a decent role player in the league until he's into his late 40s. Not even to mention how great of a mentor he would be for a team. However, would LeBron sign like a vet minimum at 48? Is that no how that would work? Or how much yeah. do you have to pay LeBron at the 48, age 48 season? I have no clue. It's all hypotheticals at this point, of course, but maybe the salary cap change. Maybe there is no salary cap in LeBron's 48. <laughs> but uh, I'd say at the latest, he can get to 49 or 50. So. Crazy. That's he probably LeBron. still is like the strongest player in the league or, uh, you know, in the top yeah. 10. The size helps as well, too. He's a massive human being and knowing how to use his body, it would help him a ton. So LeBron can play for a long time. All-Star Weekend, though, 
it got criticized pretty heavily uh, about the monotonous of it, how the slam dunk competition isn't as big as what it used to be. We got G-leaguers doing it, and then no shade to Mac McClung. I know he's a great dunker, but that's really all he's going to be known for in his career. If you could add one event to All-Star Weekend to add you know, some more flair and some more viewership to it, what would you add? I love this question. Uh, so here we go. I'll go right into it. You know, I like I said, I didn't mind this current format. Uh, this weekend, I had a great time watching it. I thought it was entertaining me most of the time. If I had to remove one thing, we'll start there. It would 100% be the celebrity game. I, I don't think I've ever watched it. Um, save it for the off season. I, it, maybe they'll get a bigger viewer then. Viewership. Uh, my original thought was replace that Friday window with some kind of televised banquet of highlights and speeches by vets. But then I heard last night as I'm falling asleep, listening to the Gilbert arenas podcast, they actually do do that, but it's not televised. No one knows about yeah. it. Uh, so then I thought, shit, never mind. Come up with something else. My favorite part of it is probably the TNT guys. I know Kenny got some hate uh, for saying something about Sabrina, but that dude, uh, we were at DJ's house. We were watching the 2008, uh, Saturday night thing. And Kenny and Chuck were saying like the same stuff and no one cared at all. I, I think that's just who they are. They just would rather go for the laugh than being safe. So how about we take the TNT guys and do something entertaining? Shaq, Chuck, Kenny, even Ernie. How about they all pick one all-star to be their partner and some kind of horse, 2v2, and then a trivia. For the game, I, w- I would say maybe at a four-point line. I mean, Luca was pissing me off with the defense, but whatever, they're not going to play defense there's no incentive for the finals but that uh that extra friday night uh game with the tnt guys would be my suggestion yeah i'm not exactly sure how they could do this but one of the things that came to my mind was a 1v1 tournament uh and maybe with some prize money at the end not just a trophy so with the trophy you have so many people trying at different you know levels and stuff like that but if you say put a million dollars on the line. If you win this one, v one tournament and you pick 10 guys and they play to like five or something like that. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I think they can do that where they, you know, even have both sides of the court being used. So it goes a little bit quicker. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. The other option would be like a horse tournament. We saw Luca putting up some crazy shots on, uh, on Twitter where he was, shooting damn near from the half court line and chucking it up like 50, you know, 60 feet in the air and come down to the hoop. Or even one time he had it bounce and then go into the hoop and he called it bouncing too. I think the more fun thing to watch would probably one be one. So I, I would say that I, and then like you said, adding an all-star game, make it. So there is the four point line, you know, get some crazy point scores out there. That'll at least give some amusement to some people. Uh, and then maybe, maybe just make it so the winner gets to host the finals. Give it that. Give that incentive. That'll make some people try. You're not going to see, you know, Jokic giving a shit when it doesn't mean anything to him, especially when he doesn't want to be there in general. <laughs> if you make it so, hey, you're only going to host the finals if you win this game, it could mean a lot. So that's something that they can do. Uh, moving on, though. Since we've already talked about a, quite a bit of stuff, we're not going to go too in-depth with this, uh, but we just want to give some post-All-Star MVP and finals picks together. Who is your pick for the MVP right now? 
Yeah, my MVP is going to be Nikola Jokic. I feel like the Joker is the best player in the league by a wide margin right now, and it's going to take a lot or him not being eligible for anyone else to win this award. You know, Embiid isn't going to have the game, so he'll be ineligible. Luka and SGA just aren't quite as efficient as Joker is, and him being a big man makes it that much harder. Uh, and then there's Tatum and Giannis who are still up there in the race. Um, I, I feel like those are guys who are going to have to give some of their touches away down the stretch to keep everyone happy. So they won't be averaging, uh, you know, over 25 points a game at the end of the year. So that's my case for the Joker. MVP is very interesting because you got to do you, how much do you rely on team success in this stuff? Because I, I, I've been saying this for like two, three years now at this point. That Luca, Luca is the most valuable player in the I league in, in terms of impact to his team. Because if you were to take the most valuable player off of each roster in the league, you take Jokic off the Nuggets, you take, I don't know, say, well, SGA off the Thunder, you take Steph off the Warriors, you take Luca off the Mads. I think the Mads would be the worst team out of any of those teams that's still left. And I mean, Luca's averaging 34. Nine and a half, nine rebounds a game. Like he's putting up godly numbers right now. It, I understand the team's thirty-two and twenty-three, and it's a seven seed, and even the Pelicans are ahead of them. But man, Luca is the MVP. It, it, it's not close in my opinion. I understand, you know, the case for Jokic or the case for SGA. If the team is like so far ahead like the Celtics are in the East. I don't think there's anybody in the Celtics that really deserves MVP nod, but if it's all kind of jumbled up like it is right now, just go ahead and give it to Luca. Uh, he deserves it, and it wouldn't be shocked if it's the first of many. Yeah, those are what my top three. Pick? Yeah. Uh, for the finals, it's a similar team here, man. I got Denver again. I got Denver over Boston. So uh, I think it would be nice to see the Celtics win one with Tatum and Brown. Those guys are obviously very good. When Porzingis is healthy, they've been unstoppable this season, 43-12. and 12, That's the best record. But Denver knows what it takes, man. They're keeping everyone fresh. They have this revolving door of young wings now. Strother, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson. Just pick and choose. Uh, they're going to be really hard to stop. I think Denver's going to win back-to-back. The one team in the Western Conference that I think could legitimately give the Nuggets a ton of trouble is the Clippers. We've seen Kawhi come fully activated in the playoffs. We know Paul George has the ability in him. We know James Harden, even though he hasn't you know, been to the finals or anything like that, he's a guy who has a ton of playoff experience, has been in the big moment, is a great offensive player as well, too, and they play great defense, too. So, I think I'm going to pick the Clippers out of the West and I'm going to pick the Celtics out of the East because it's just, it's all six are ridiculously good. And I'll pick the Celtics to win the finals a little too. Celtics over Clippers, big one for LA if they could beat the Celtics because that's something that they could hold over the Laker fans for a long time. But I give the dub to the Celtics in six. Okay, I'll say uh, five, no, five for Denver. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Six is too easy. I want to. Say. I always feel like I always say six, so I'll say five. It's pretty safe. Anyways, that does it for where's your head at. I know it's been a long one so far. Second half NBA All Star Weekend. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit. Is there anything else you want to touch on there? 
yeah, I was just going to mention some of the stuff that happened here uh, that we didn't talk about. That Rising Stars Challenge is something I always look forward to because they are trying really hard because they're young guys. Uh, Team Jalen Rose beat the G-Leaguers in the championship. Benedict Matherin, Paulo Bancaro played great. And uh, Manas Buzelis was leading the G-League team. He was really good. Him and Mac McClung leading that team. Almost did it. Skinny dude. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'll take a 6'10 shooter, man. That's that's what this league's all about, right? That dude's going to get drafted high. Um, We had the skills challenge, one that, uh, again, I uh, I will make predictions for throughout the year sometimes. Of course, the team pacers won when all three guys are hosting the event. They're familiar with the play styles. They're going to win it. The Cavs did the same thing when they were hosting. That's just how it goes. Uh, Dame Lillard defends his three-point title over the heavy-favorited Tyrese Halliburton. That was a fun one. Maybe even more exciting was Steph and Sabrina. Steph got it done. Um, Sabrina had a great first round, like you mentioned, uh, with the you know Kenny Smith stuff. I I don't care. I was entertained. Um, and you could see Steph after he was done walking over, like, I'm sorry, I just I just couldn't lose. You know, I just had to do it because <laughs> that's the kind of guy he is. And the dunk contest, yeah. like you said, uh, a little underwhelming. Jalen Brown was the runner-up to Mac McClung, but a uh, Mac McClung hit his his signature 180, and he also had this dunk where he uh, kind of flipped it up to himself midair, and it was cool. It, it wasn't yeah, quite was cool. Yeah, it, it wasn't quite Levine, Aaron Gordon, but it was something I hadn't seen, so I'll take it. And that's it's mm. my uh, where my head's at with this All Star Weekend. Hey, we had a lot of contact content out of this weekend, so uh, maybe. Maybe we'll get some changes. Maybe we won't. We'll see, man. NBA knows that they're running out of time here, but the league is really deep, and they gotta gotta come up with more stuff for us to to watch, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. That's halftime. Moving on to our layups and board predictions. Last week we went two for four. I had the Celtics minus twelve and a half versus Brooklyn as a game that they won by a lot more than twelve. So. Agree in there. Skyler had Mac McClung wins the dunk contest. Skyler got that right, of course. This week I have the Cavs minus seven and a half versus the Orlando Magic. That game takes place on Thursday, I want to say. It's in Cleveland. Cavs have been playing really good basketball as of late. Orlando's been sputtering a little bit off of their hot start to begin the year. I think it's a good line for the Cavs to win the game by 10 plus. So my pick, uh, College basketball, it's number one UConn, minus two and a half at number 15 Creighton. I had picked this because I saw last week UConn was playing at number four Marquette and they demolished them. As of right now, Creighton's up 29-23 in the first half. So interesting. I'm, I'm still riding with the pick. My boys uh, in Connecticut, they have two lottery picks who we will talk about once we get closer to the draft. They're killing it in the Big East. Uh, come on, UConn, please come back. It's my layup. Well, prediction last week, I had the dub of the Clippers on Wednesday. We were very close, but we choked it away. Skyler had Team Powell the Rising Stars in a shocking turn of events. They choked completely, lost to the G-Leaguers. So we both got our bold predictions wrong. This week, I don't have a bold prediction, man. I didn't like any of the picks, and so I just decided to go with nothing. That's fair. I uh, was looking for a while before I finally found something because there's not a lot of numbers for the weekend up yet. But I mm-hmm. imagine this one will be in my favor for the upset. 
The New York Knicks are hosting the Celtics on Saturday night. The Knicks are very good at home. Boston, the only time they've been vulnerable all season, is going on the road in the Atlantic. So how about we get the Knicks winning one? Maybe they get get more healthy. Jalen Brunson leads them to a big win here over Boston. That's going to do it, though, for episode 180. Kind of ridiculous that we're getting those sure. numbers. 20 weeks away from 200. Man, that's nuts. Uh, regardless, though, anything else you want to say before we're done here, Skyler, or can we hang them up for today? Man, um, I mean, uh, the only other information that's been interesting to me that we didn't talk about has just been all the smokescreen from the draft. Like you mentioned, Drake yeah. May not going in the first. Uh, the Patriots trading back and not taking a quarterback. That's that's just ridiculous. Um, so, again, we just got to wait and see. But we'll be back next week with whatever happens, man. Hopefully no injuries in baseball. And we got a smooth transition mm-hmm. into spring training. Yep. See you there. Episode 191 next week. <laughs>